like Cameron said, my name is Lizzie. Welcome here. I'm so glad that you could all make it this morning. On this Thanksgiving weekend, we have a lot to be thankful for, and we're thankful that we get to gather together. So welcome here. Um, no matter where you're at on your walk with God this morning, I just invite you to hear the words that you need to hear. Um, so we're going to begin by reading the passage for this morning. So we're going to read Acts 2, verses 42 to 47 together. They say this. They've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I've always loved the book of Acts because it just feels so active. It feels like something that we can participate in. And um, so, yeah, I just recently graduated from Steinbeck Bible College, which is a very um, Mennonite college in Manitoba. Um, and one of my favorite classes was the class on Acts. And one of my biggest takeaways from this class that I wrote my final paper on um, was that church was not meant to be done alone. Later in the book of Acts, we see that the gospel message spread so far and so wide, but that disciples took this message in pairs. They did this together. The message is simple. It's one of love that Christ has for each of us and one that we get to share in together. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. What does this look like? I was thinking of some supplementary passages to go along with the text for today. I was really stuck trying to find some passages that I, that I don't normally use. As I was with Jesus, I, is this dead? Should I just use a different one? Switch? Uno momento, por favor. Yeah, okay, there we go. Sorry about that. Um, just back up. As I was thinking of passages that I wanted to use, I just found Jesus telling me that he wanted me to keep it simple, to keep it to the passages that I normally gravitate towards because they are good reminders for the church. They're good reminders for myself. So as I share these verses, some that might be very familiar to you, or maybe you're hearing them for the first time, I just hope that they bring you some encouragement this morning like they did for me. So we're going back to the basics, the basics of the church as a way of moving forward. Sorry, this is really loud, Nathan, my bad. I project. Um, so yeah, we're going to be looking at the way that the New Testament church moved forward from where they were to where they are now with new teaching from the teaching that Jesus delivered by the apostles um, to a new direction that started with the Great Commission and a new power from the Holy Spirit that was given to us. It is with these directives that we go back to the basics of the church. We get back to our calling. Over the last few weeks, we have looked at the beginning of Acts, including the coming of the Holy Spirit called Pentecost. Pentecost is not necessarily the beginning of the church because the church existed for a long time before that, but it was a renewal of the church because the body of Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people who wanted to receive. This is the church that we are all invited into. The evidence of the spirit filling is shown in the picture that we see in this passage in Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is a picture of community. It's a picture of a calling, a calling to learn, to love, 
to worship, and to go. And in the last month, a month that has been very difficult for me, filled with lots of brokenness and lots of uncertainty, I've been also very blessed with the incredible amount of love and support and so much generosity from my community, the people who make up the church, and I'm just so thankful for that. This is what it looks like to be a spirit-filled church, a called church. So Jesus, we just invite you in to this time this morning. I just pray over every single person here and anyone else who will listen to this message, just that you will be um, just showing up in our hearts and minds, that you would just help people to hear what they need to hear today. We're just thankful for that. So let's break down the passage together with our first calling. We are called to learn. In verses 42 to 43, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the apostles were people who were equipped by Jesus. Um, they were equipped to instruct the church on how to be the church. This is the first characteristic of a called church, and that is found in this passage. It's a calling to learn by devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. This is how we become more Christ-like. We're learning how to be part of the kingdom of God through these instructions that we read about in the Bible. I'm sure many of you can think back to one person or maybe a few people who have been very significant in the influence of your faith, the people who have taught you what they know so that you can learn more about Jesus. I know that there have been many incredible people in my life who have influenced me. Some of them are sitting in this room. Because when the good news is shared, that's when people come to know Christ. That's what we're called to. We're called to learn. But it's not just about the teaching that happens individually. It's meant to happen together in fellowship. When people come to know Christ, they're invited into a body of believers so that they can continue to be taught by the apostles' teaching and join into these times of fellowship together so that we can pray together, we can be encouraged in our faith. This is how growth happens. How believers mature through the influence and encouragement of others. Being a spirit-filled church helps us in our learning. The Spirit of God leads us to submit to the Word of God, and the Word of God is the truth, which means that the following of the instruction that gives way to true life found in Christ as experienced through the gathering of the church together. This is a direct calling that Jesus gives us with his parting words that w of what we are to do now, and we see this in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19-20. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That one part just really sticks out to me. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Jesus equipped his disciples to continue his teaching and, the and to continue the impact of passing on that instruction um, and wisdom. And it's still being passed from believer to believer today as from disciple to disciple. We are still learning what it means to follow Christ with our lives daily because it's a lifelong journey. But thankfully, we get to do it together. The second calling that we have as a church is that we are called to love. So verses 44 to 45 say, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. This invitation and calling is one of belonging. We belong to the family of God. And families take care of each other. 
That's what Peter is talking about when he invites us into this, to share what we have generously. But this can also be really hard, especially when we already have what we need. We are naturally drawn to taking care of our own needs first. But the blessing of blessing others is that the blessings are returned when we share with others of what we have. In his commentary on Acts, a man named Willie James Jennings said that we have a trinity of possessions that we can be generous with. We have time, we have talent, and we have treasure. We can share generously with people of our time that's freely given. We can share of our talents by helping others with the things that we can do. And we also have our treasure in the forms of possessions, in the form of money, in the form of love. And we can give of these things freely. The family of God works best when we work together to make sure that every single person is taken care of. And this falls under the greatest commandment that we are given. So when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He responds this way in Mark 12, 30 to 31. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. All that we are called to do is wrapped up in these two verses. This is what the church is called to do, to love each other as ourselves. Just as we provide for our own needs, we are called to provide for the needs of others. But are we called to the extreme? Are we called to give up every single thing that we have? We might be. Jesus had an interaction with the, with the rich young ruler and said, give everything that you have, and that's how you get into the kingdom of heaven. We see this in Matthew 19. But um, more so, I think that this calling of generosity is actually supposed to be voluntary. It's mo- meant to do, be something that we do out of love for others. Though it's voluntary, it's also something that we are called to. And sometimes this calls for very extreme generosity, like we see in the book of Acts, where disciples were selling their houses to provide for others. But I would argue that most of the time, this calls for simple generosity. Generosity that can come in the forms of kindness, to lending a helping hand, to sharing words of wisdom and love. This is the calling that we have. These are the small donations from our heart that we can all give. Again, giving of our time, our talent, and our treasures in whatever capacity is needed, in whatever way that we are capable. But why do we give generously? Again, Willie James Jennings says that the giving is for the sole purpose of announcing the reign of the Father's love through the Son in the bonds of communion together with the Spirit. The cost of generosity is the creation of shared life, communion together with the Spirit. Um, The Greek word koinonia means fellowship or common life, and it is one that is found many times in the New Testament. We share together inwardly, here together as a community, but we also share out by giving of what we receive. There's a generosity that comes with shared life. And to completely be completely cheesy, just to give you like a one-liner to remind you of this, sharing is caring. And that brings me to my third point of what we are called to. We are called to worship. We, call, we are called to meet together when we learn. We are called to gather generously in love, and we are also along with all those things. We are called to worship daily. Verses 46 to 47 say, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. We are called to worship, formally in the temple courts or in the church setting, as well as informally in homes. Sometimes the informality that happens in the church, it can just happen outside of Sundays. Like we, when we gathered for fasting, prayer, worship, and community on Tuesday, um, as we looked at the calling of Northside. Both the informal spontaneity and the formal structure of gatherings, the body of Christ, they're purposeful and they are important because of the richness that comes from each setting and the people who join into the fellowship there. We meet with glad and sincere hearts, but we also meet with heavy hearts and burdened hearts. And the richness of that is that we get to do it together. We carry these things with each other. I have been so incredibly thankful to have been invited into these spaces. I have felt just an outpouring of this love, the love from the Spirit, to be invited into homes and to have people worship with me generously by sharing what they have, by sharing a meal with me, by praying with me, and I honestly could not have gone through the last month without it. And on Tuesday at our Northside prayer night, um, I was given a verse to share from John 4. It says this, John 4, 23 to 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This verse was encouraging because of the times that are uncertain for the church as a whole. Not just Forest Grove Church or Northside Church, but the church in general. But Forest Grove specifically is going through a transition process, and many do not know what the landing point of that will be. But we can be certain that when we worship God in spirit and in truth, that we are doing what God is calling us to do. Because the location of worship is not what's important. It's the attitude of those who worship. And we are called to worship God because he is good for all the things that he has done for each of us. I know that that's the reason I'm able to worship today. This is what brings us to our final calling, our calling to go. Our final directive from this passage is not explicitly stated, but it's something that can be inferred, and it says this in verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So the first three points to learn, to love, and to worship are mostly internal practices that we do as a gathered church. But this final part is what happens next. It's an outpouring of what happens internally. We are called to go and reach those around the world. And that starts here in our own city, in our own neighborhoods. Sometimes it's easier to focus on what is happening inside the church community, focusing on our own growth within these walls. And I'm sure that there have been many, many sermons preached about those first few verses um, about what it means to just gather in this place. But the author of Acts closes it out with a reminder that the Lord was adding to the number every single day. We need to recover the expectation and of steady and uninterrupted church growth. We need to be active participants in this. This is what we're called to. The Lord is still adding to our numbers today. And we are called to be the ones who help them have a safe place to land. We need to extend the invitation of a seat at the Lord's table where we can join in fellowship together with other believers. The church is called to be a missionary church. We are called to go with worship and witness every single day, wherever we go, with whoever we interact with. 
both praise and proclamation are natural overflows of our hearts when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and with Christ's love. A healthy church embodies this love. A healthy church is the foundation for those who participate in it and actively show his love to others. This is not done just within these walls. This is done in every interaction that we have with every person we meet. This is ascending place, a place to be filled with the purpose of going to pour out. So I want to circle back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go. Jesus tells us that we meet here. He is always with us, but it is now our time to go. On Tuesday at the Northside prayer meeting, um, there was a few comments that really stood out to me. There was a few people that said they felt supported and loved and connected so that they can go. This was a common feeling amongst the congregation. It was said that growth in this community does not represent growth in the kingdom. The kingdom is bigger than that. The fruit of this community can be seen in so many places, and it continues to grow, even if those people never step foot in this building. We are called to go because of the overflow of our calling to learn, to love, and to worship. If you are at a place where your cup isn't full, that's okay. You are welcome here. Come and be filled so that one day, when you are ready, with the support of Christ's body and with the power of the Holy Spirit, your cup will be full enough to pour out. However, you also need to know that just accepting Christ's love for you with kindness that you show to others, you are making an impact. People will notice. This is how kingdom growth happens. Sometimes it's very quiet, but it still happens. You are living out your calling. So these are the marks of a spirit-filled church community. It's one that we are living into, the calling that we have received. We are called to learn from the apostles' instructions. We are a New Testament church that believes and obeys what Jesus and the apostles teach. We are called to love as we gather in fellowship, supporting one another's needs and the needs of those around us. Remember, sharing is caring. We are called to worship by relating to God through praise, through the Lord's Supper, through prayer, and through gatherings, both formal and informal, in joy-filled ways. And we are called to go and be in the world to reach those who do not yet know Jesus and his love by sharing the good news with them in and with an invitation to join in. We are all living a called life, a and we are invited to join in life with Jesus. We are a called church. A few more comments from Tuesday night that I think sum up these callings well is um, someone said, this is, a, is the kind of community I can bring someone to. This is a safe place. And the second comment, which I kind of just said, is this is a safe place to land. I know that it has been for me. This is a community that has fostered those feelings, a community that is actively living out this passage, a community that is being the church embodied through being called. We're called to learn to love, to worship, and to go. So I just want to leave you with a few questions to ponder as you go about your week. 
What do you feel called to right now? Is it one of these four things? Is it something else? Why do we gather? Or more specifically, why do you personally show up to a gathering like this or something more informal? And how does our church community or whatever church community you belong to do these things? How do you learn, love, worship, and go from where you are? What does your community do well? What are some things that you think could be do better and how can you move into that? So we are called. So I'm sending you today with this calling. We'd love to pray for you. So Jesus, thank you so much for this morning spent together. Thank you for the calling of the church that you give us so boldly. That you say, you can come and be with me, but now you also have to go and take me to others. So Jesus, we just pray that as we gather in this building that we would be just sent out. And we are sent out being filled by your spirit and your power and with your love. So Jesus, I just pray that in every interaction that we have this week and for the weeks to come, that we just know that we are being sent by you, that this is our calling and we get to be a part of it. We pray these things in your name. Amen.